Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that, that the secret word is Franklin. As some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. dimension beyond that which is known to man it is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity it is the middle ground between light and shadow between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge this is the dimension of imagination it is an area which we call the twilight zone Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema, the Twilight Zone series, special, whatever you want to call it. I'm your host Jimbo, and alongside me once again is... ADZ here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world listening. Excellent, excellent. Man, we have been having some fun with this episode and the one after it. Uh, we've just been in some heated discussions, so be on the lookout on the Facebook group page, because we are going to be putting it all out there, so... Uh, very interesting, very interesting. So, Eric, let's go ahead and take this away. Okay, we have uh, episode number 17 from season one. It is entitled The Fever, and it was directed by Robert Flory, and it was, of course, written by Rod Serling. And then I've got a section in here about featured music. I don't know if anyone's interested in that per se, but... Um, it is a stock. It was uh, primarily taken from Jerry Goldsmith's jazz themes, which are used as incidental music by many other Twilight Zone uh, episodes. So uh, jazz, the style of jazz music, is a running theme in a lot of the uh, Twilight Zone episodes. And it was, uh, the original air date, excuse me, was on January 29th, 1960. So go ahead, Jimbo. Uh, you want to take the cast? Sure, sure, sure. Um, playing the main character, we have Everett Sloan, and he does such a good job. He plays Franklin Gibbs, but he is best known probably for his role in Citizen Kane, where he played Mr. Bernstein. Uh, his wife was Vivi Janice. Uh, she played Flora Gibbs. And how many times did you hear that? Flora, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. This episode is great. Um, William Kendis played Hanson. Lee Miller 
He played Joe, and he's famous for being in late Disney's Lady and the Tramp, where he played John Deere, and he also played the dog catcher. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, Lee Sands was the floor manager. Uh, Mark Towers was the cashier. Art Lewis was the drunk. And Arthur Peterson played the sheriff. So the synopsis for this episode is pretty clear, concise. It is a man who has a disdain for spending money at a casino and winds up catching the gambling fever when a certain machine keeps calling his name. So, Eric, let's take it away. All right. So we drop into this particular episode. Um, We have a a drop in what looks like it would be something like Las Vegas. I think I read, though, that the somewhere in here that uh, it was actually shot in California and they had to use slot machines that uh, they the police department the LAPD had I guess around as confiscated I don't want to hopefully get into too deep of a dive here but I guess it wasn't actually shot in Las Vegas although it, it does have a lot of scenes of Las Vegas so we enter the the uh, hotel casino uh, lobby or you know, the main area for gambling there. And we see a lot of hustling and bustling and people enjoying themselves. And the, the characters of Joe and Hanson approach uh, Mr. and Mrs. Franklin Gibbs. And um, they greet them and they talk about, uh, apparently they, they're, well, they're actually getting their picture taken. And uh, because they've won a, a contest, a turn of phrase, I think was uh, uh, Flora won a turn of phrase, uh, the wife. Uh, and so they've gone on this four day, uh, three night vacation here in Las Vegas and it was all paid. And so Mr. Hansen comes up and he wants to take their picture and he greets them and, and, uh, talks about, uh, thanking them for being at the hotel. They talk a little bit about the room and how nice it is and so on and so forth. And then, uh, Jimbo, did you want to say something about, uh, this particular getting the picture? Right. I want to. I want to put throw in a couple of things here that just stuck out to me. For one, um, they said, hey, it's an all-expense-paid trip, okay? So my question is to you that the first thing I'm going to bring up is if it's an all-expense-paid, gambling would be an expense. Did they have some sort of prize money that they could use to gamble? Hmm, interesting. Um, because if it's an all-expense, all-expense-paid means I'm not paying anything. Yep. True. Correct. Yep. So, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand why uh, Franklin was so upset because if his wife's going to spend a nickel or whatever at that machine to play here in a second, uh, why is he so upset? If it's an all expense paid, that's one c- continuity error I didn't understand. I know sometimes that an all expense trip means that it's just your room, your food, you know, your drinks, whatever. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing I would like to point out right here is. When the, uh, who is it, Joe and Hanson come up and they say, hey, we're going to take a picture, you know, send it to your local paper. Yeah. And she's like, he's, they say smile and they take their picture. And he said, well, hey, she's like Elgin Bugle. She's like, that's our hometown paper. He's like, what? She's like the Elgin Bugle. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll send it. We'll send a copy to him right away. Right. My thing is, I don't think they were even going to send a picture. I don't no. even think there was probably filming the camera. Maybe not. Um, I think it's just one of those ploys that they do that because um, you find out later throughout the show that once they get people into this uh, casino, people catch the fever, uh, hence the name, and they don't leave. They spend more money than probably that they came with. Um, 
which we'll get into later. But I don't think that they were ever intended to send that photograph back to their hometown paper. Yeah. What would you say? I, I, I would uh, tend to agree. And it's interesting, too, because um, after they take the, the photo, Hanson leans in and he goes, uh, he does mention something like, uh, you have unlimited credit or something like that. He makes a comment like what you were just talking about. And then it was so interesting, right. his facial expression, when he tells Franklin Gibbs uh, that he's he has like unlimited credit and it's all on the house and he's expecting like a good and pleasant reaction and Franklin is just a grouchy, he doesn't smile and he's like a bitter old man and it kind of throws off Hanson. His facial expression is awesome in that scene. He's like, wow, like I wasn't expecting that reaction. I was expecting a little bit more upbeat pleasant reaction after you've just been told you won uh, a free trip all expenses paid basically right right and let's give let's give franklin some credit because he's probably like he's to me i think franklin is a well thought out man he's like he knows the type of place that he's in he knows they're in las vegas and you can tell the only reason he is there is because his wife won that trip there is no way that this guy would plan to go there himself on a trip for no reason I think one of the things that he went for is, hey, it's a free vacation. You know, my wife entered this contest. She won. I'm going to just come along with her. I think that's the only reason he's there. Yeah, for sure. Here's just a few things that I wrote about just as a, a character background of, of Franklin. Just some notes that I jotted down. Uh, he is the quintessential stick in the mud. He's grouchy. He doesn't even <laughs> want to get... He doesn't even want to get close to his wife. If you notice that in taking the picture, going back really to this opening scene, she tries to straighten his tie and she wants to stand close to him to take the picture. And he's like pushing her away. He he doesn't want to smile. He's, and we'll get into later in the episode, he's really like the epitome of self-righteousness. Like we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but I mean, he's just, he comes off really poorly even initially in this episode i mean he's just a real jerk mm-hmm. it, it's almost it reminded me of the uh um the burgess meredith episode of the the name escapes me now but remember how the wife was really mean to him uh, time enough at time last. enough at last though remember his wife was extremely mean and gra- oh. same same kind of demeanor but it's in reversal franklin is doing this to his wife his wife seems very pleasant she seems very nice and she wants to have a good time, and he is just a total jerk. And it's almost like those roles were reversed for this episode. I would really like to send them two married. That would have been a great episode. Oh, wow. Who <laughs> could up one another? <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. Um, so if we move off of the uh, the initial scene here, we took uh, uh, maybe too much time on that scene, but just some movement about um, in the casino and you know there's a lot of uh playing going on uh with different machine you know you got craps and uh blackjack and then of course the slot machines are sort of center stage and this is where it gets to the part where uh kind of you, you get to learn a little bit more about franklin's self-righteousness he he's uh he's telling his wife there's no way that like jimbo said earlier there's no way i would be here uh, you know, the only reason I'm here is because you won this trip, and I have no uh, desire to be here. And he's just kind of going along because his wife dragged him there, basically. And, you know, she's trying to encourage him to loosen up, maybe have a little fun, uh, do, do a little gambling. And then some uh, lady wins. She, she yells out and exclaims, I won the jackpot. I won the jackpot. I won the jackpot. 
And I thought it was interesting that the lady actually brings like a jackpot, like a, a basket of money over, you know, with coins and dollars in it and hands it to her. And she's really excited that she won the jackpot. And, uh, you know, of course, Flora is excited to see someone else win. And, you know, she gets the notion like she wants to play. And uh, so she's, you know, looking, she... Uh, walks over to like a nickel slot machine and then Jimbo do you want to take it from there what happens next well yeah she uh, she, she she puts the nickel in and there comes Franklin over there like what are you doing Flora yeah. what are you doing she's like well you know I'm just, it's, it's just a nickel and he's like that's what's wrong with these people here they come here you know they spend their money blah 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 and she's like well Franklin you know the nickel's already in the machine and he's like well alright Flora you know so she gets to pull it and of course she loses and uh, he's basically he has the see I told you so attitude. He's like, come on, let's let's go before. And then this drunk walks up, <laughs> this drunk. He's like, yeah. hey, buddy, you know, and he's just slurring his words. He's leaning on the machine and he's like, ah, oh, you know, he's like, so he puts a, he puts a, a, I think it's a dollar machine. He puts a dollar in. He's like, you play it, buddy. You know, and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, yeah, I insist. You know what I mean? So um, this is, I think, the turning point of the episode because um you see him struggling like he doesn't want to pull this lever um you can see it on his face he doesn't want to pull it but hey it's already in there it's a free pull you know it's already in there that he's going to do it so i mean you see him looking at his wife from across the way she's kind of got the smile like oh he's gonna do it <laughs> you know and, he's, and he looks at her and he's like he's he's really you know it's like um we always say you got your conscious on one shoulder and your conscious on the other shoulder like go ahead do it no don't do it you know you got the good and evil on your shoulders and you see him, man, you see him just go up for that lever, you know, he's almost slow motion, you know, shaking, you know, and he pulls that lever and he wins. <laughs> and he just looks, the expression on his face is like, ah, because he sees all those coins. Well, you know, he's counting them up and his wife comes around she's like, oh, you know, she's excited for him. And I think it's $12 is what he ended up winning right there. So Eric, go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, you can just tell just by his reaction and the acting is so good that this guy is, you know, the switch has been flipped. Like you said, this is a very crucial part in the episode. The the switch has been flipped. He the the floodgates are open, and you can tell he's really probably like a greedy kind of miserly man. And then when he wins this twelve dollars, and it was like, wow, this st- stupid drunk guy just left a dollar, and look what I have gained just by his stupidity. And he's really this kind of harkens back to his self righteousness. He, he says things, he'll go on and later in the scene to say, say things like, now you'll see, um, what's he say? Let me quote him. He says, now you'll see the difference between a normal, mature, thoughtful man and these wild idiots around here. If there's, and, and then later on in the episode, he'll say something like, if there's anything I know, it's morality. So he thinks everyone around him is right. a moron who's an idiot for coming here to spending their money and gambling is just immoral. He even says that a couple times, I think, in the in the script. You know, this this guy is the just the epitome of self righteousness. He thinks he's better than everybody else, and he would never ever get caught up in gambling or have that vice or anything like that. And that's what makes it the episode you know, good is that that character is set so staunchly against everything that he's doing himself. Right. So, I mean, he's dead set on taking this money with him. He's like, Hey, he's like, we're taking this money. He's like, we're taking it back to our room. He's like, we're leaving with this money. And, um, as they're walking away, 
you hear Franklin. <laughs> You're like, and he's like, did you say something to his wife? She's like, no. And he's like, huh? You know, he's looking around and and um, come to find out, you know, it's the actual slot machine saying his name. But I don't. This is where it gets a little tricky because you don't know if it's actually saying his name or if it's actually, you know, the the, the change that's falling. You know, the the jackpot that's falling that's making the noise, and he just. Uh, thinks it's saying Franklin oh. because if you watch it a couple times every time it says it it sounds like the the change falling and it kind of sounds like Franklin too oh. I thought that was very interesting too hmm. I didn't I didn't pick up on that huh that, that was interesting then, uh, you know what else makes me think that he's right. super and then and then uh, well and real quick and then as they're walking away that drunk guy comes back to the machine one more time puts another dollar in right and he pulls the lever and is it does he win money here i can't remember i think he wins I, again because it falls and i think that's where you know yeah i think he does win uh, a few more dollars but it i just thought it was interesting it goes to his character like once he cleans out the the tray he goes back and looks a second or maybe even a third time to make in. sure he got every last coin out of that tray <laughs> yeah i thought that was an interesting little little tidbit it. yeah um, so we move on, uh, the, the scene changes and we end up in the hotel room that their accommodations that they have, um, been given, uh, free of charge for the, I guess for the four days. And so, uh, Franklin is laying on the bed and he can't sleep. He, he's just constantly thinking about, uh, winning money and he hears what, I don't know if this is in his mind though. That could be a third option. Is he just hearing the name in his mind and right. he thinks that, well, we'll come to learn later that he thinks the slot machine is like alive and an entity, but he's hearing his name over and over. Uh, you know, he just, he decides he's going to get up in the middle of the night and he's this money that's, oh, it's interesting to note too. I don't know if you picked this up. The the scene changes from like the coins on the dresser and then uh, the camera paint it goes back to his face yeah the coin stack gets taller and taller and taller I noticed that when I was watching uh, the second right. time so so I think I think this is where the fever is starting to starting to get a hold of him because he can't sleep insomnia set in um, and this is you know he gets up and and she's like Franklin she's like what are you doing and he's like. Well, one thing I know, he's like, is I know morality, uh, like you said earlier, and, and this is what I thought. He's like, uh, this money uh, will not uh, have this money tainting our pockets, yeah. which I thought was a very interesting quote because, guess what? The money doesn't taint his pockets because he doesn't end up with nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I thought that was a really key moment in this episode when he says, I won't have this money tainting our pockets. So he's decided in the middle of the night, who knows what time it is, that he's going back down because he just wants to get rid of this money. He's going to feed it all back to the machine. <laughs> so go, go ahead, Eric. No, that's exactly right. And not only is, are we going to come to find out he gives back the money that he won, he gives back uh, all of his own money that you know out of his own bank account. Um, because that fever gets a hold of him and, several, and grips him. Several, yeah. Several trips to the cashier to cash checks that he has written. Yeah, several. Yeah. So he, you know, he tells Flora, "I'm going to go back down. I'm going to get rid of this money." And we're coming to this part in the scene. Uh, the scene changes again, and uh, from the hotel room, and he's back down in the casino lobby, and he's on the one arm bandit, and he's going to town. And he's just pumping quarters. And then Flora actually comes downstairs and she tells him it's terribly late. And then I thought this was a pretty quotable scene here. Uh, Flora tells him, Franklin, this is, uh, 
well, we come to this later in the episode, like a minute or two later. Uh, she says, this is Flora speaking. She says, Franklin, that's the third time you cashed a check. He says, I know that. She said, well, you've spent a great deal of money. He says, I know that too. Don't you think you ought to stop now? And then Franklin says, how can I stop? I've lost a great deal of money. You said it yourself. I've got to win it back. So the fever is in full pitch, and he is just pumping money into that one-armed <laughs> bandit as fast as he can. And this goes on for several minutes, I guess. The, the, the scene sort of kind of stays constant. She's trying to get Franklin away from the machine, and he's telling her, no, shut up, go away. And I think even at one point, he, like, shoves her away with his arm. And uh, yeah, he keeps, again, like I said, he keeps uh, writing checks, and he goes to the cashier, and he's cashing those checks, which I thought was interesting that, I guess, in Vegas back then, you know, you just wrote, like, a personal check, and then they would give you the money. Uh, it's a lot different now, I guess. I don't know. I haven't been to Las Vegas in a long time, but... Um, so anyway, he just keeps going and going and going. And Jimbo, did you have something you wanted to say? You said you had something you wanted to say about the the water, right? Asking right. for so, water. So after after he uh, after he blows up at her, she's like, "Franklin, you're making a scene." Everybody's looking. He's like, "Don't tell me, you know what what to do or whatever." Basically, and so she goes away. So the next scene, you see him sitting there, and you see him. Uh, it, it kind of pans across the casino back to where he's sitting there, and he's like, "Ah, oh. he's like, I'm so thirsty." He's like, "Flory," he's like, "Could you get me a piece, uh, a drink of water?" And I don't know if you caught this, but at the very beginning of the scene, when it pans from here and it pans down, in the background, the light there is a sign that says, no, it says Oasis <laughs> oh. Cocktails. Oh, okay. And I thought how awesome that he is saying that he is thirsty and there's a the cocktail lounge is named Oasis. Huh. Because what happens in the middle of the desert when you see an oasis, there's water there. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, I miss, uh, missed that one. Um, so it gets to be about like and he's been on this machine for over five hours now, so let's not forget that either, right? And it gets to be like around eight o'clock in the morning, and he's down to his last dollar basically. He puts the dollar in the slot machine, and the handle will not come all the way down. Uh, and so he <laughs> loses his mind and he starts screaming, Give me my dollar back, give me my dollar back, and he gets mad and he pushes the slot machine over and then he's ushered out by looks like two security guys or a pit boss or somebody and uh flora is just well let me ask you a question right sure. there real quick. let me ask you a question right there real quick uh he put that quarter or dollar in or whatever and he goes to pull the handle now some of these old time slot machines like that is once you put so much coins in there it gets full and they have to empty it so i'm wondering if the machine here is not stuck, it's just full from all the money that he has put in. Possibly, that's a good, uh, maybe a good explanation. Um, so basically, so basically, it's his own demise and not the machine's fault, but it's his own demise for putting so much money in there. Huh, that, so that's just something I thought. Yeah, that might be. That's an interesting layer to that uh, whole story. So eventually, uh, one of the floor managers comes over and puts an out of order sign. They stand it back up. And the next scene we come to is they're back in their hotel room and he, speaking he, is Franklin, is having like a nervous breakdown. This guy's just laying in bed in his pajamas and he, his mind is completely wrecked. He can't think of anything other than winning that money back. And he begins to describe 
the slot machine as being an entity and that it is beckoning him and it's mocking him and it's taking all of his money and it's messing with his mind. And then did you, Jimbo, did you count the number of times the word or the name Franklin was used in this episode? Because it was an extreme amount of times. I didn't. <laughs> but there is a lot, especially towards the end. <laughs> yeah. It starts to get annoying to me personally. Uh, he calls the slot machine a thief. And he said he's worried about this one silver dollar. After all that money that he dropped, he's worried about that last dollar. He just can't get over that last dollar. And you'll see that that plays an important role at the very end of the episode. Um, he just can't get over the fact that he lost that dollar. And so he's having this conversation with his uh, wife in the hotel room. And she's distressed because she sees that he's having like a nervous breakdown. And then, Jimbo, do you, what happens... Uh, from there do you remember so she's like she's like she's like franklin she said what are you doing she's like the there's no one here he's like it's got my money and then the door opens up and there's the machine and what i thought was funny in this part is it's actually got a smiley face at the bottom of it you know lit up (laughs) smiley face at the bottom where the money came out and it's, it's mocking him um once again um i believe this is all in his head at this point and he's like uh you know i I can hear it it's calling my name basically and the machine starts coming towards him and he's like she's like come on franklin just get back to bed you know you're tired you've been up all this time and and you hear that franklin again (laughs) that he sees it standing at his door or whatever and he can't believe it that this machine is there so it starts coming in the room rolling at him and he doesn't know what's going on and he is scared to death so he shuts the door um and doesn't stop it um he's still here in franklin um and i believe he turns around at this point is it or no it comes busting through the door i think because he's looking in the mirror it comes busting the door and it's like chasing him and she's like his wife cannot see it and she's like it's chasing me it's following me go ahead eric no, yeah, and then the the dramatic scene is uh, the slot machine, which that smiley face you said that, and now it looks like the Amazon logo or something on the bottom of that slot machine. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but here's the grand scene: it chases him to the window, and he falls out the window backwards and falls to his death. And of course, Flora is just—I mean, she screams, and uh, she just is totally distraught and then the next scene we find uh three men at the at the bottom were in the parking lot i guess where franklin has landed and one looks familiar like the the pit boss guy that from the casino there's like one doctor and the sheriff and um they make a comment something like well this is probably one of the worst cases i've ever seen of the fever kind of kind of referring they don't say the fever but they refer to the fever and uh, the sheriff says, all right, the show's over, everybody go back to bed, blah, 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 whatever. And then what happens next, Jimbo? As he's laying there with his outstretched arm at the bottom of the ground, all of a sudden, his dollar comes rolling up to him and lands right by his hand. And I thought, how fitting. Um, so that's how, the, you know, that's how this uh, episode ends. So a couple of things that I uh, found throughout the, the episode that I'll share real quick. Um, this is actually inspired by a celebratory trip that Rod Sterling took to Las Vegas when the Twilight Zone was first signed in 1959. His wife, Carol, 
Um, she had such good luck at the casino, but he himself kept losing to a slot machine, not like the unlike the one shown here, and he battled it for a good long while. So I thought that was very interesting that it's based on an actual event in Rod Sterling's life. Um, as you said, you know earlier about the uh, slot machines um, in LAPD because it was illegal to have them in California. Um, but the producer Buck Houghton said that there were several policemen on the set at all times because they wanted to make sure that somebody didn't take one off the set and set it up in his uncle's barber shop. So I thought that was really funny too. Um, the ending credits I thought was really interesting. Introduced the theme music later used in the second through the fourth seasons of the Twilight Zone show. Okay. Um, this is the only uh, point in the first season where it is used um, in place of the traditional theme music. Uh, the slot machine Franklin uses is the same prop that Ace Larson has in his coffee shop in the Twilight Zone, The Prime Mover, in 1961. The slot machine that's featured in this is modified uh, uh, Watling Rollatop. And as Franklin lies on the pavement, the wide shot shows many pieces of glass on the ground surrounding his head and torso. However, when the dollar rolls towards his right hand, that side of his body is nearly free of all the glass shards. Uh, the next close-up shot of the dollar laying next to his hand is once again littered with many pieces of glass all the way around. So there's a little um, camera work that, you know, continuity error with the, there. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the episode, Ron Sterling comes back on to narrate what happened to Franklin. He explains that the slot machine is called a one-eyed bandit, when in reality they have been referred to as one-armed bandits. Oh. And after losing all of his money, Franklin goes crazy, throws a fit, and knocks over the slot machine, which I think he should have macho man elbowed that thing, <laughs> you know what I mean, Eric? Um, but afterwards, Franklin and his wife go back to their room for the rest of the night. You know, the casino would never have allowed Franklin and his wife to go back to their room. They would have kicked them out. They would have been suspended. They might have been able to go back and get their baggage uh, and luggage, and then they would have kicked them out. There's no way they're going to tolerate that kind of uh, attitude or, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, anger um, in their casino right. for the safety of their Patreons, especially. So, Eric, I know we have different opinions on this episode. I let you start. I will pass the ball to your court to let you start. Uh, okay. Uh, I wasn't a fan of this one. Uh, I just think the, the Franklins over and over and over just started to annoy me after a while. I get the point. I would rank this probably near the bottom of the episodes that we've seen so far or watched and, and talked about. There are some good things to take out of it in the sense that don't be like Franklin. Don't be uh, bitter. Don't be. Uh, don't have a vice of gambling. I mean, there are some warnings, I guess, some good things that, that warn you. Don't be self-righteous like him. So those were maybe the lessons that I took out of it. Uh, but as far as the, the overall um, episode, it probably wasn't one of my favorites. And I know you're going to tell me the exact opposite of why you loved it so much. So... You go ahead and tell me exactly why I should I, love this episode. I love this episode so much, and I'll tell you the one reason I really do. And that's the main character of Everett Sloan, uh, the guy that plays Franklin Gibbs. I think in this episode you see how well he can act. He goes from being this grouchy old man, stuck up, stubborn, to this crazed fever pitch. Uh, just his facial expressions, his acting, um, he's yelling at his wife. Um, the whole thing about it, how he's portrayed, he sweats, he, his facial, his vocals, everything. I love the guy. He should have won an Emmy for this episode. And I put it at the top probably two or three of this season uh, just based upon his acting performance by himself. Now, the, and I believe this also has a great moral to the story. Um, like you said, don't get addicted to, to gambling. And I think what we're failing to realize in this episode is 
some people, this is sad but true, some people get so wrapped up in gambling that they either commit suicide or they get mixed in with the mafia because they own a lot of them. The mob owns a lot of them. They end up owing money to the mob, so they end up with concrete shoes in the bottom of a river somewhere. Um, and I think that this episode is, is, is a bigger picture, not just about one man's struggle, but I think it encompasses a whole large array of things that could happen when you get into gambling and you get the fever, if you will. Um, but like I said, you know, it not only affects you, but now, how is this going to affect Flora the rest of her life? Now she's without her husband, the breadwinner probably, because this is set back in, what, 19, uh, early 50s maybe. Yeah. Um, how is she, yeah. No, I mean, that's when this the episode came out, but I mean, did it come out, this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know the timeline, they never really said. Right. So, I look at it like this, not only does it affect him, uh, you know, because he's gone, uh, it affects his wife and his family, I don't know if they have any kids, it doesn't really say, um, but now Flora's pretty much going to be the breadwinner of her family if they didn't have life insurance or anything like that. So I thought it was very telling that they drew a thing from real life to this episode that, hey, um, when you do something to take your own life or you you get killed or whatever uh, because of a vice such as gambling, then it not only affects you, but it affects your whole entire family in ways that you may have never thought about. And that's why I love this episode so much. It makes you think, not just, it said Franklin a bunch of times and I don't like it. That's my take. <laughs> well, I, I will say that the, the messaging w- was good, like I alluded to earlier. I guess maybe I, it doesn't have the twists and the story was sort of flat um, compared to other episodes of the Twilight Zone. So that's why I would rank it at the bottom. The messaging, I thought, was on point. And, of course, you explained that very nicely. And I would agree with all those things. It just, I wish there was a way they could have, I don't know, spruced so it up a think, little bit more. You don't more. think Ever Sloan played... Oh, no, no, I wouldn't take anything... Ever Sloan played one of the best characters of the season so far that you have watched. He did not play one of the best characters that you have seen as far as acting abilities. <sighs> I would put Burgess Meredith up there at the top because I love that episode. And I like the lady from The Hitchhiker. I think she, and I think she did really good, too. But I think his performance is flawless. Yeah, I would I would put it up there near the top. Sure, I wouldn't take anything away from his uh, acting performance for sure. I just like I said, I guess it's just this, the whole story was just sort of flat, and there was you know the Twilight Zone has those great twists and great endings. But no, I wouldn't take anything away from uh, Everett Sloan's performance. It, it definitely was uh, ranking near the and, top. And that's why we're doing this Twilight Zone because it's. It's okay to disagree. You know sure. what I mean? Um, everybody's going to like their favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone. A lot of people aren't going to like some of the episodes of The Twilight Zone. Like this one, me and you differ on, but guess what? It's still a Twilight Zone, and it's still a good watch. Regardless if it's not one of your favorites, it's still a good episode. Um, just from Rod Serling creating this and everything. So, Eric, you got anything to fin- uh, finally wrap up with, or are we done? Nope, I think we're good. All right. Well, I think this episode of The Twilight Zone is coming to a close the fever. And that's a wrap. Eric, take it away. And cut.